Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of the Sunday Special here on Human Events. Now, we talk a lot about on the program the collapse of complex systems. We've really seen an acceleration of this in the last two to three years. Why is this? Why do complex systems collapse? How do complex systems collapse? Well, as, uh, as the famous quote goes, gradually and then suddenly. Heather McDonald is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute, a contributing editor of City Journal and a New York Times bestselling author. And she has a new book, When Race Trumps Merit. In the wake of George Floyd's death, all of the major institutions of American society and culture, from corporations and universities to media and entertainment to the arts and sciences, have embraced the view that the only way to reckon with what of course exists is systemic racism, and that's to ensure equality, equality of outcome. We must put diversity and the needs of diversity ahead of every single other expectation in our world. No system, no standard is more important of a metric than to measure our civilization by that of diversity, because diversity is our strength, no matter the consequences. And so in response to this new, what we've called here on the program, uh, sort of a, a civic religion, we take it as a matter of faith that this must be the new orientation of our entire society. I wanted to bring Heather McDonald on, and we're excited to have her joining us today for the full Sunday special. Heather, thank you so much for joining us here on Human Events. It's wonderful to be with you, Jack. Thank you so much. So, so it, 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 just answer. I'd love to get your your response to that. Is diversity our greatest strength? Is diversity the greatest virtue of Western civilization? No, it's not. The greatest virtue of Western civilization is achievement, accomplishment, exploration, the scientific method, constitutional government. None of those things have any inherent relationship to diversity. Uh, if we want to be truly honest about the empirical data, we would draw on Robert Putnam's work that showed that, in fact, local communities become increasingly distrustful of each other. Uh, there's less philanthropy, less charity, the more diverse they are. But even apart from that empirical work, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the reason that we keep talking about diversity right now, it's a code word. Uh, if you if you really want to understand what this discourse is all about, diversity is a code word for racial preferences. Uh, any institution that is it is saying, oh, we're we're in the pursuit of diversity is telling you that it is taking aim at meritocratic standards, because sadly, given the academic skills gap, you can have diversity or you can have meritocracy. You cannot have both. And so we've seen just this week, just this very week, one of the biggest stories that's been out there, at least online or in some corners of the information environment, has been this East Palestine train derailment. Uh, it had these, these this this vinyl chlorine on it, and uh, there was a controlled burn. People are very worried about what the potential after effects of that be. Aaron Brockovich apparently is headed down there in terms of all of this, but. A lot of people have said, you know, a lot of these train derailments have gone up uh, exponentially in recent years. We're actually seeing a point where I, I pulled the stat um, just from Statica, and I, I didn't even believe that over 900 people were killed in railway accidents just last year. 
So in 2021, 900 people were killed by this. Uh, that's certainly more than the systemic racism that we were told of, of unarmed black men killed by police. And yet for some reason, we don't hear about the year on year systemic you know, issues with our railways. And a lot of people have said to me, you know, is this is this a cyber attack? Is this the Chinese Communist Party? Is it Russia? Is it some other actor? Is it Iran that's attacking us? But unfortunately, what I think we're seeing from the data is this isn't an attack. The call is coming from inside the house. It's ourselves. And railways aren't the only system that is collapsing, yet certainly it is one of the biggest ones that we've seen. And unfortunately, of course, our, our media doesn't pay much attention to it because it's in a part of the country that, uh, what can we say, just doesn't generate the clicks in Appalachia the way that uh, if it were on the coasts or in one of the big cities. But I, I'd, I'd like to, if you could uh, address that question, are we seeing these this systemic collapse as as a a symptom of this issue that you're talking about? Well, first of all, I want to fill out with some numbers the uh, comparison that you rightly gave, Jack, between the number of people killed in train derailments, 900 last year, to the number of unarmed blacks, which is the main focus of of much of the uh, left wing media and our left wing politicians at this point. Uh, the, the alleged wave of police brutality and racism. Last year, there were seven allegedly unarmed blacks killed by the police. And I say allegedly unarmed because the Washington Post that keeps these records defines unarmed extremely broadly to include somebody who may be grabbing an officer's gun. So, uh, and and you can have an even more startling comparison that's that seven allegedly unarmed blacks killed by the police versus in 2020, which is the last year of our best data, 10,000 blacks killed in criminal homicide, virtually all killed by other blacks, not by the police and not by whites. As far as whether the infrastructure breakdowns are the result of, let's be honest, what we're talking about here is lowered standards, racial preferences in the name of diversity, I'm frankly agnostic on that point. It's it's too soon to tell. I don't know if, sure. if railroad uh, engineers and conductors are being chosen on the basis of race. If if bridges were built uh, and 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 you know switching mechanisms were built with the goal not of excellence but of diversity. But I can tell you, if they were, uh, that would absolutely be a recipe for catastrophe. Because again. You can have diversity, you can have meritocracy, you cannot have both. The reason we're talking about diversity is because left to purely meritocratic standards, our, our top institutions will not be racially proportionate. Why? Not because there's racism in hiring standards, racism on the part of managers or gatekeepers, but because of the academic skills gap, 66% of black 12th graders do not possess even partial mastery of 12th grade math skills. What's partial mastery of 12th grade math skills? Being able to do a simple arithmetic calculation, being able to understand a linear relationship on a graph. 66% of black 12th graders do not even possess partial mastery of those skills. And yet our, our narrative, our national narrative is to look around 
at various elite institutions, whether it's an Alzheimer's research lab uh, or a cancer research lab, a medical school, an engineering school, a physics uh, PhD program, and say, if there are not 13% uh, black PhDs or cancer or Alzheimer's researchers in those labs or building our bridges or flying our planes, it must be because of racist gatekeepers. And Jack, as long as racism remains the only allowable explanation for ongoing racial disparities, everything is coming down. You speak about civilizations that collapse inwards. We are collapsing ours at an unprecedented rate. It is all coming down. And, and the point of my book is to provide an alternative explanation for those racial disparities and say that Western civilization is not the problem. The problem right now is a culture that does not value academic achievement. That's what must be solved and not to tear down the scientific method and colorblind standards of achievement. One of the phrases that I've heard um, just in, in reading about this, about that dynamic that you've discussed right there, this idea that the only explanation that we are allowed to uh, that we are allowed to give or that we are allowed to hear for any of these things of the of the disproportionate representation. So and this, this is wokeness. So wokeness is defined as uh, believing that disproportionate representation in institutions is the result of systemic racism. I actually heard this. This is great because um, from from an atheist commentator and he said, well, that's just racism. That's just the, uh, an argument of racism of the gaps. So you found a gap somewhere. And so therefore you just defined it by racism because you don't actually have an explanation for it. Therefore, this is like when uh, when, uh, you know, he's comparing it, of course, to when when believers yeah. would say this is the God of the gaps when they're talking about evolution or intelligent design. Um, and I thought it was interesting that, of course, from an atheist commentator that you would he would compare the two because you're taking it as a matter of faith. You're taking right. it as a matter of belief that it must be because of racism and you would ignore all sorts of impure data that could obviously explain something else uh, to your point uh, education standards testing standards since no child left behind was passed in the early 2000s uh, you go look at Baltimore reading rates um, and and graduation rates it's 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 deplorable it's absolutely deplorable situation and yet the answer that we're always told is the racism of the gaps and it, I'd, I'd you know in, in racism one of the first um riots, that I actually covered right when I was getting started all the way back in 2015 was the Freddie Gray riots in Baltimore. Uh, I live in the DC area and that's something that was nearby. And I remember when Freddie Gray died, this situation was all blamed on racism. And I was struggling to find where the racism could be stemming from with a, a black mayor, a black DA, a black chief of police, all black officers or, uh, or officers of color. And I couldn't quite be sure where the racism was stemming from in this situation. We saw the same thing in, in Memphis just recently. I'd like to get into that later and, and, and set it up for after the break. But it, it seems to be this fallback position and that if you question it, you yourself will be described as a racist. Well, America turns its eyes away from the just very tragic and, and horrific cultural breakdown in the inner city. It's not just no child left behind. It's not just common core, whatever the, the conservative bugaboo was. This is something much more profound. It's an oppositional culture. Uh, the, the, the you know conceit about acting white you're acting white if you're actually studying in school and doing your homework. This is very, very bad stuff. 
And it is resulting in, it's not just Baltimore reading, the black students across the country are, are not prepared, Six only 6% of black 12th graders are prepared for college, according to the ACT, 6%. Uh, when you take into account science and math and reading, uh, and yet we know that many more are going to college under double standards of achievement that are completely pernicious. Uh, the students that are admitted under racial preferences struggle to compete. And then the diversity bureaucracy tells them, well, if you're feeling distress, if you're feeling like you're, you're you know, not succeeding in your classes or, or feel like you're not keeping up, it's because we're a racist institution, even though the very reason you're here is because we want black students so much. Um, so this is something that must be solved from within, and we have to stop blaming our standards. You know, the issue is, is, is China uh, undermining our, our, our infrastructure? Well, maybe so, maybe not, but, but what it is doing is competing internally and, and promoting its own math and science talent full speed ahead. It is not worried about what the, the sex proportions there are in its gifted and talented math programs. It is just finding its best students, throwing everything it's got at them to make sure that they are the most qualified nanotechnicians, physicists, mathematicians, computer engineers. We, on the other hand, would rather make sure that our best talent is not allowed to succeed. We're tearing down gifted and talented programs across the country. We're slowing down math education. We're deferring algebra because it has a disparate impact. Any meritocratic standard that has a disparate impact on so-called underrepresented minorities, which is blacks and Hispanics, is now being torn down. And, and any institution that is deemed too white or too Asian is in the crosshairs. It will be torn down until we have one fatal soup of mediocrity everywhere. Well, I, I can't wait, you know, until they tear down the the MCATs when it comes to surgeons. I can't wait until they tear down uh, standards for airline pilots, for commercial air flight. Um, obviously, we're seeing the results of this most most directly in police forces. Um, I think we're seeing that very quickly because police forces have been in very a very early target of this, a very front loaded target of this. Uh, but we're getting rid of standardized testing across the board. We're certainly and for years have been have been using uh, racial quotas in the Ivy League system. And I think we've been doing that for almost 100 years now. At first it was in one direction. Now it's going now it's overcorrecting in the other direction. But I'd really like to get into that a little bit more. We've got we're coming up on a break, but I'd, I want to dig into the tragedy surrounding the death of Tyree Nichols, but also describe it in such a way that I don't think anyone else is talking about. Coming right back here with Heather McDonald. Okay, we are back with Heather McDonald, the author of the new book, When Race Trumps Merit. Uh, by the way, Heather, is the book out yet or is it it's coming out? It's available for pre-order. You can just go on Amazon right now and order okay. it. It's coming out in April. But uh, Okay, that's right. I thought means, I saw that date. Yeah, by all means, order it now. All right. So make sure you go pre-order the book. This is a fantastic book. It builds off, obviously, your your incredible body of work, but also digging into the latest that we've seen since the George Floyd riots. And I think we do have to call them the George Floyd riots because yes. uh, the media does everything they can to prevent you from knowing that this thing happened. And I I'll actually say something. 
I don't even think I've ever said this publicly. Um, so I was born in the 1980s and I can remember the OJ Simpson trial. I can, but I'll tell you something else. I didn't know about the LA riots until I was in college. I never heard about it. I had no idea that that had happened. Um, and I think I was re I was reading some book that I had gotten at a used bookstore and I said, wait a minute, there were riots across the entire city of Los Angeles in the 1990s when I was alive and I was a kid and I had no clue this had ever happened. And then finally you can start digging and reading more about it. And, it, you know, obviously I'm, I'm showing my age there a little bit, but at the same time, I'm seeing the same dynamic play out with the George Floyd riots. These things happen. They happen across the entire country. And suddenly we're acting like they didn't actually happen. Heather, why, what's going on? How could I have been alive at such a time as that uh, when this was going on and yet have no knowledge of it whatsoever? Now, of course, you know, you know, that age, I wasn't exactly paying attention to the news, but you'd think at some point in school, I would have learned about this. Why, why did it take my own education and reading to find out about such a seminal event in our, in, in our modern history? It's incredible, Jack. That's really an amazing story. Uh, the victors write the history. I worry about this with COVID. You know, if if yes. the left stays in power, they're going to write the history of COVID and the lockdowns are all going to be seen as imminently necessary and effective and masks and whatnot. And uh, that's going to be very scary. But we certainly are involved in massive historical revisionism with regards to the George Floyd riots. And I was not aware that the same same disappear the facts uh, technology and 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 ideology had been applied to the LA riots, but I'm not surprised because again, America turns its eyes away from inner city dysfunction, and when they do so, guess what happens? More black lives are taken. Those millions of hardworking, law-abiding, bourgeois blacks that want the same thing as everybody else and want safety for their children opportunities to to get forward on their own on their own uh, motivation and, and self-discipline are left at the by the wayside by our policymakers. It's we now you know, it's very strange. The Black Lives Matter movement has decided that it cares more about black criminals than black victims. That's it's not intuitively obvious to me what that should be. So uh, but they never talk about those 10,000 blacks who are killed in homicide by other blacks. They only talk about the seven or so unarmed blacks who may have been killed by a police officer. Uh, and, and when they demonize cops, what happens is more black lives are taken. And so we're now pretending that, I mean, we, we are forced today, Jack, to live a series of, of falsehoods. We're, we're all engaged in this right. theater, this theater of lies. We're pretending that anti-Asian hate crimes are committed by whites, you know, that, that you have these these rallies against anti-Asian hate and these signs all make it very clear that they, they think that white supremacy is the problem. We've all seen the videos. We've seen the videos of 90 year old frail elderly Asians in San Francisco being knocked unconscious by by black teens and, and in, in New York as well, in Los Angeles. Blacks commit hate crimes against Asians, against Jews, against trans at far, far higher rates than whites. And yet we're supposed to pretend uh, that that is the threat. We're supposed to pretend that white supremacists are, are on the verge of yet another riot against In fact, the, 
the uh, the knockout game of the early 2010s is actually back. I don't even know if anyone's right. talking about this yet. It's actually back. It's all over TikTok. Yep. They don't yep. always call it the knockout game anymore, but it's the exact same thing. And exact same this thing. happened in New Jersey in a a to a uh, teenage freshman girl just recently, 14 years old. Uh, they they do a knockout game on her. They as someone is filming now. That's the new additional element to it. So it's the knockout yep. game plus the ability uh, to achieve uh, social clout and social status within your community by performing one of these knockouts. Typically, the targets are, uh, to your point, um, in, in this case, uh, young, frail, white 14-year-old girl. I think she was 98 years old. She'd been frequently bullied, and she later committed suicide at home, in her parents' home uh, in her closet. And we were then told that w the father even came out and said, I don't want to make this about race. I don't mean, well, it may not be about race to you, but it certainly was to the people that were doing it. And that's the reason that she was targeted. And I get that that's that's great that you don't want to make it about race and, and blame everyone. But at the same time, uh, it can't be a one way street. <laughs> and so we do actually have to talk about these things that are going on to as well as to your point with the with the Asian situation that we can tell who is going. There's a reason that Asian Lives Matter doesn't take off the same way, because we can all right. see the videos and they immediately uh, kind of did away with that narrative because suddenly they, the videos were coming out and it didn't paint the picture that they wanted to see. But I wanted to get into as well, this situation, uh, the war on police, you know, we saw the Ferguson effect in the 2010s. Now we're seeing what I call the George Floyd effect, because as opposed to officers that are not only uh, staying out of situations because of the, the prevalence of body cams these days, we're also now seeing a just a general lowering of standards uh, for officers across the board. And you saw this clearly in Memphis in a situation where we're, we're seeing that with Tyree Nichols, this this uh, beating may have been because uh, apparently the DA is investigating that it may have been because of some personal relationship. There were photos taken uh, when you demonize police officers, but then you still decide to have a police force and you lower standards at the same time. We saw this in Memphis where in the name of uh, what's the phrase? Well, we have to make the police force look like Memphis. We have to make it look like the community. Well, now it does look like the community, but unfortunately, uh, the community has a homicide rate at a certain place. And now it seems like the police are trying to get to the same rate. Yeah. Let me just respond to your, your previous point. Uh, you know, the New York Times finally got around to covering the New Jersey beating oh, good for uh, them. this morning. Yeah. But of course, they don't mention the race of the assailants. Had those been three or five white black white girls attacking a black girl, this would have been international news. Uh, but of course, in the reverse, it's never the case. It is utter shameless asymmetry to keep the narrative going that blacks are everywhere the victims of whites, whereas in fact, the Bureau of Justice Statistics shows through people's self-reports of who's, who's doing the victimizing in violent crime, that when you look at the universe of all interracial crime between blacks and whites and whites and blacks, blacks commit 88% of those interracial incidents. So this is not a question of, of being currently a white supremacist country. It once was, and the history of this country is appalling. It is grotesquely hypocritical. We treated blacks with contempt and cruelty and, and, and just sheer nasty humiliation for far too long. But remarkably, unpredictably, things have radically changed. That is not our reality today. The reality today is black privilege, not white privilege. As for policing, uh, absolutely. The more the police back off under this phony narrative 
that they are racist to go where crime is happening, uh, there will be more black lives taken and we are and and people, the police are leaving the profession in droves. That this did happen after the Michael Brown race riots in 2014 and 2015. Uh, but it is accelerated after the George Floyd race riots. And so you have, I think policing is in a death spiral right now, unless we can turn around the racism narrative. Everything in our world today, Jack, if you're sort of puzzling over these weird things that are happening, uh, and I'm not referring to Chinese balloons, but rather the, the lowering of standards, why are police not arresting for theft, for, for shoplifting? Why are prosecutors refusing to prosecute for turnstile jumping or resisting arrest? or some some sorts of gun crime, it's all explained by disparate impact. And that's that's in my book. Disparate impact explains why we are unwinding our criminal justice system, because any type of colorblind, constitutional, eminently fair form of law enforcement, whether it's policing, prosecution, or sentencing, will have a disparate impact on blacks, not because the criminal justice system is racist, but because the crime rate is so much higher. Uh, in, in New York City, blacks commit about three quarters of all shootings, even though they're, they're about 22% of the population. If you add Hispanic shootings to black shootings, you account for virtually 100% of all of these crazy barbaric drive-by shootings in New York City. And so that means that the police cannot go where people are being shot by these kids that have no impulse control, that have no regard for human life without being in black neighborhoods and stopping people in black neighborhoods that are black, not this, because uh, they're racist. Th this was the, what you're saying is the exact, um, I, I forget what they called it, the leaked audio of Michael Bloomberg, the, the hot mic audio where he's basically, right. I think it was at a private event, and he's describing exactly what you're saying. And his point was that we've deployed more police officers to these neighborhoods because we're protecting the people of those neighborhoods because they are at the greatest risk for crime, not because of some uh, mythical racism of the gaps. And yet that was used to destroy him in the Democratic primary in 2020. But when that all came out, I, d I do remember, and I, I'll actually give him credit for this because he knew that it wouldn't do well for him in uh, in the primaries, but at the in, on on that side of the aisle at least. But but at the same time, he defended it because he pointed out, look, these policies, uh, the deployment strategies, as well as stop and frisk, took New York homicides down from something like 2,000 a year to just a couple hundred a year. Well, he actually was even more uh, iconoclastic and breaking taboos than that. He said that if you look at crime rates, whites are actually overstopped and blacks are understopped, contrary to what Al Sharpton and every oh, wow. elite law firm in the city that had sued New York for stop, question and frisk. Because, again, blacks make up 22 percent of all uh, the New Yorkers. They are about 53 to 55 percent of all stops that the police make. So the left gets its hands on that. And he says, OK, you see, that's police racism and racial profiling. But population benchmark is always the wrong benchmark. What you want to know is what is the crime rate? So, again, blacks are 22 percent of the population. They commit about 75 percent of all shootings. That's that's the relevant. The 75 percent is the relevant benchmark to look at the 52 to 55 percent stop rate and whites who are about 34% of the population, 
commit about 1% of all shootings, and yet they are 9% of all stops. So Bloomberg was absolutely right to say, uh, you know, this is the opposite of what we think. So again, uh, we are tearing down the criminal law in order to avoid disparate impact on blacks, but what has a disparate impact on blacks is crime. And when you when you demoralize the cops, when you tell them not to police, when you when you have prosecutors that say, well, even if you bring me an arrest, I'm not going to to bring a case because that would have a disparate impact on black criminals and we want to avoid mass incarceration, which is a whole nother other phony narrative that we can get into or not. Um, you know, that that when you stop doing this necessary law enforcement, it is black victims who are the butt of the increased crime and well, the, Heather, the activists don't care. Well, here's here's a question. And, and, and you you're the expert on this. You've been studying this for so long. You've been writing on this for so long. And I'd love to ask you, have you ever all at all in your in your travels, in your journeys, have you ever encountered a single leftist who has ever once made this argument about anything other than race? For example, I've never heard a, a single leftist or activist or re police reformer say the following. Well, this the police are are conducting a disparate impact on men. There are too many men that are pulled over. There are too many men in prisons. There are too many men getting arrested. There are too many men targeted by police for violent crimes. Uh, why is it that the police have an an anti-man agenda because they are so focused on this? And of course, someone would immediately respond to you, "Well, that's because men commit more violent crimes." And immediately, and then so because of course you haven't had the prop the years of social conditioning and propaganda to give a response to that question, and so. I've always found that one useful to say, well, if you'll say that for gender, why wouldn't you apply the same standard towards ethnicity? My guess is they would say we have not been a uh, a, a female centric culture. We have <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So we can trust what the police do with regards to males, but we can't trust what they do with blacks because we've been white supremacists. So they figure out a way around it. You you absolutely have the number. That's precisely what that would say. All right, Heather McDonald, officially the first person to get me to crack up on the Sunday special here. We will be right back with you after this break. All right, Heather, I know I promised the audience this. I've got to ask you about the Tyree Nichols situation, because to me, it seems like a microcosm of everything that you've talked about uh, from viral video to the lowering of standards to the effect that this has had on policing. It seems like this is a singular moment and the media has completely stopped talking about it, by the way. And I think there's a reason for that, because they don't want people asking the very questions that you're answering right now. Well, the New York Times, at least, is still talking about it. And of course, they've managed very quickly to slot it into the, the racism narrative, not completely speciously, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, it is conceivable. You could imagine a police culture that is so anti-Black that even Black officers absorb it. So I don't think that's what, at all what's gone on here. But but it's it's a little too easy for the for conservatives to say, well, how can this be racist if we have black officers? I'm particularly reluctant to use that uh, response, Jack, because I don't want it to be any more plausible that it's racist if there's white officers that are engaged in a contested use of force. So I want evidence either way. In any case, this was one of the most it is the most appalling instances of abuse of power that I've ever seen. It is heartbreaking. 
it's like watching the scourging of Christ. I've never seen anything like it of one gratuitous assault, blow, sadistic effort to, to destroy this man after another. And it's a complete reversal of everything the police should be doing. Their tactics are abysmal. The police are the ones that are supposed to be de-escalating situations. It's Mr. Nichols who's pathetically, heartbreakingly trying to de-escalate and saying, man, you know, I'm complying. There's not, what, what can he do? They're giving him contradictory commands. I usually say you can avoid every, virtually every police shooting in this country if the suspect merely complies with an officer's commands. If you don't resist arrest, you won't be shot. Uh, in this case, I for once do not blame Mr. Nichols for taking off after the first encounter with these maniac cops and running. I would have too. These people were clearly lunatic. What is going on here, though, is not what the left tells us, which is the ubiquity of, of white supremacy. It's not what our political class tells us from, from the White House on down, which is the ubiquity of white supremacy. It is a complete failure of training and of hiring standards. I don't know at this point whether the Memphis police training is completely defective or whether these cops were so unfit to be hired in the first place that they were unable to absorb adequate training. Uh, you know, the left will say, well, is this to make their case that this was definitely an instance of systemic racism on the part of these officers and of Memphis, they say, could you imagine this beating happening to a white man? My response to that is, and these 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 thought experiments are all Rorschach tests of, of one's own uh, worldview, I say yes. Certainly. Their tactics were so bad, they were so incapable of subduing a minimally resisting suspect that I see no reason why they would not have done the same thing. I, I, the one I always go back to is, is Daniel Shaver. Right. Right. And, and Tony Timpa. Right. Tony Absolutely. Timpa, another one. Yeah. You can, you can think of examples right off the top of your head that for right. some reason, well, we know the reason that they're, yeah. they're just never, ever brought up. But, but right. in this case, I don't know if you saw, there was a, a media report on a new hiring push that the Memphis police put out just a couple of years ago, right in the wake of this sort of defund the police, George Floyd riot uh, year, where it, it was dubbed in the media as more diversity, less brutality. Uh, and on using that same exact framework, as, as we said before, that we're going to make the police force look more like Memphis. And in, in order to do that, we're going to lower standards. We are going to potentially even, and the New York Post reported this, bring on officers that may even themselves have a criminal record. And we are going to give them waivers for those convictions to bring them on. And I'm not uh, directly saying, and I don't know yet, I'm sure it'll come out the trial if any of these officers were were uh, individuals that had a criminal record prior, but it does seem to be, to your point, this sort of soup of mediocrity that has led to situations like this. Well, only two of the of the five officers were, were brought onto the force post-George Floyd. Two of them- started their their actual career post academy training in, in 21. Um, but so we don't know. And, and there's two parallel movements going on. There's a generalized cops are fleeing the profession. We need to do everything we can to recruit at the same time. That's like a double helix. You know, the strands interweave 
there is at the same time a push for more black cops. Uh, and we know historically that every time there's been federal consent decrees demanding diversity hiring at the expense of meritocratic standards, whether it's regards to cognitive skills tests or criminal backgrounds, the result is corruption scandals uh, and abuse scandals, whether in Miami, in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, they, they, they don't even have a hiring exam now. They've gotten rid of any kind of civil service exam that's uh, uh, that's I, I, I don't know if I, you know, but that's that's actually my background is I'm, I'm from the Philadelphia area, born and raised um, just a couple of miles outside the city, went to school at Temple University in North Philadelphia. And uh, at, at this point in my life, I have I'm, I have two little boys and I've never once brought them back to my uh, the neighborhood where I grew up or my alma mater. And I have no plans to do so. Well, there was the 39th District police scandal in Philadelphia in the early 90s and a, and a report brought in by the city found that. The, re- the main reason was a federal consent decree yeah. that it said you've got to lower, you know, you've got to bring in blacks. And the way they did so was to uh, suspend, basically suspend the hiring exam. So whites would be hired from the very top of the pool and blacks were simply admitted based on the ratios with which they took the exam, not not on the basis of their actual results. And they were going to devise a new test and they never did. So now there is no test. The Obama administration did a voluntary review of the Philadelphia Police Department and found that black and Hispanic cops were more likely than white cops to shoot a black suspect under what's known as threat misperception. That is mistaking somebody's cell phone for a gun. Uh, You know, that could well be a result of these lowering hiring standards as well. But that's why I say that policing is in a death spiral right now, because as long as racism uh, remains the dominant narrative to explain Tyree Nichols, it means that we're not going to solve the actual problems, <laughs> which is the demoralization of cops by calling them all racist, by the lowering of hiring standards, by depolicing that led to Memphis having such a high crime rate. And reckless driving was a problem. You know, the, the five cops have said that Nichols was driving the wrong way. The, the city administration says, oh, we found no evidence of that. I'm still waiting. I'm agnostic on that. I'm also agnostic on drug use, on possibly, you know, trying to grab the officer's gun. But reckless driving is one of the other lesser re- acknowledged results of the George Floyd race riots and depolicing, where now we've had highway deaths or, or car crash deaths jump astronomically because we are also demonizing car stops. And the 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 rate of of car crash deaths have gone up the highest in inner city neighborhoods. We actually, like- we actually have um, some pretty close family friends who were in a similar accident to what you're describing. Who, um, fortunately, it was a it was a father, a mother, their young daughter were in the car, and uh, they were on the highway. It was it was outside Baltimore, and someone crashed into them at night, driving the wrong way on the highway. And oh, mother was, per- and fortunately they all survived, but uh, the mother was uh, permanently disabled for life. Um, she'll never oh. walk again. Um, she is, she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. So when we go to, you know, kids' birthday parties, et cetera, she is, she's in the chair and, and she's, she's wonderful. She's a lovely person. And, uh, you know, one, you know, one of our best friends, but at the same time, we always just think about that. How could someone have been driving the wrong way down a highway? Backwards. Well, because after Dante Wright in in uh, 
Minnesota, I believe, the or Wisconsin, the the response was, oh, this is all because they made a, a car stop. No, it's because Dante Wright had an outstanding uh, warrant. They stopped him for perfectly good cause. But now we've said the car stops are racist. And, you know, I know a criminologist in Cincinnati who has done work ride alongs in the inner city area of Cincinnati over the Rhine. And he said the car, the driving behavior you see is beyond belief. Uh, you know, running red lights, racing past schools. There was a video made by a, a high school principal in North Minneapolis after the George Floyd race riots. And her, one of her students had been recently killed in a drive-by shooting, as usual. But her complaint was the driving. Uh, she said it's, it's absolute chaos out here. But the cops have backed off on making car stops because we hear from James Foreman at the Yale Law School that that's racist. And we hear from you know, the Center for Policing Equity, that that's racist. No, it's not. It's a way to save lives. And again, the problem is it does have a disparate impact on on black drivers who are speeding or running red lights. We, we're getting rid of red light cameras because cameras, blind technology somehow turns out to be racist. <laughs> Amazing. It has a disparate impact on black drivers. And so we've decided that somehow the cameras or the algorithms are racist. You know, there's we have a to mass- get, uh, we have to get Chat GPT running the uh, running the cameras so it has the, the proper the proper <laughs> we'll filters to, for disparate impact. Yeah, yeah, write write me a poem about about black traffic. Red, exactly right. Traffic <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid I can't stuff. do that, Heather. Uh, Heather, let me. We have one break coming up, but when we come back. I want to see how we can turn this around. I want to give people a little bit of hope, light at the end of the tunnel. What can we do about this? Coming back up, final segment, Heather McDonald. We're here with our final segment. Heather McDonald, I'd like to read for you a a comment from, so so South Africa. We all know that South Africa has uh, has largely run their country for quite some time based on these principles that, that we've been discussing here today. Uh, we must have diversity. We must have diverse institutions. Uh, this is written by William Gamid. It is in the University of Wittazara in Johannesburg. South Africa's entire infrastructure is on the verge of total collapse. South Africa now does not have functioning integrated public logistics infrastructure anymore with roads, rail, and ports all in disarray. Um, the lack of infrastructure maintenance, corruption in which dodgy black economic empowerment companies have been gifted tenders and often build flimsy infrastructure and cadres deployed without the necessary technical skills who've been poorly looked at public assets have now been snowballed into the breakdown of the entire public infrastructure causing system failure. Uh, the damage, lives lost, infrastructure collapse and repair costs from floods and other issues have, have led to hundreds, if not thousands of deaths and tens of billions of dollars. Heather, I don't want that to be a preview of the United States. I want to see it's, it's you know, when an addict uh, hits rock bottom, they say that's the way for them to to find the road to recovery. So I do think that I, I, this this theology of disparate impact, this theology of wokeism, whatever the, the correct word we're using for it is, it, it's become an addiction for the United States and certainly become an addiction for media, for entertainment and for policy leaders. So and, and you've got the book out now. You're doing your fight to turn the tide on this when race trumps merit. And I think there is a huge part of our discussion that's being left out. Should we simply talk about merit and excellence again? Is that the way out of this? Well, I want to also allude to something you said earlier, Jack, which is what happens when the MCATs start getting thrown out. These are the medical school admissions tests to train doctors. They're already being thrown out and we're already 
changing standards for medical licensing exam, we're going to pass fail rather than graded exam because again, the medical step one of the medical licensing exam has has a disparate impact on blacks. So it's coming to an emergency room near you. You know, when you when you're hit in that one of that horrible car crash and you're brought in, you will not know uh, if somebody goes walks through your door, a doctor walks through your door who's a so-called underrepresented minority, if he's there because of his medical knowledge or because of his skin color. So this is happening. What needs to happen to fight back, Jack, is people have to stop being scared of being called a racist. And yes, we have to obviously get back to meritocratic colorblind standards and say the problem is not the standards, the problem is the skills gaps that lead to that lack of racial proportionality. But what also needs to be happen is people need to swallow hard and tell the truth about the extent of the crime gap that leads to disparities in incarceration and the extent of the skills gap that means that a, a cancer lab that is trying to find its most qualified students and, and researchers is not at this point in time going to be able to do so in a racially proportionate manner if it cares most about scientific expertise. We have to get a president in there that will remount the federal science agencies who are now committed to the proposition that science is racist. The Office of Science and Technology Policy in the White House recently came out with a statement basically saying that science is an inequity producing institution. That is, it, it, it increases inequities. This is complete ignorance. Uh, People need to look hard at the gaps and not flinch from speaking honestly about how wide they are. Put those STEM faculty to the test and say, how do you, ex why are you accusing yourselves of being racist? You know damn well, as somebody recently told me, a, a astronomer uh, at a University of California system, a UCLA said, black scientists now are gold dust. Any, any faculty department that can get its hand on a black scientist knows it is now going to be a federal grant magnet. It is going to have millions of federal dollars showered mm. upon it. And, and, and they will try to hold on to that gold dust as long as possible while other science faculties, you know, Harvard or, or, or UC Berkeley will compete and, and make the gold dust even more valuable. So we have to stop apologizing for phantom racism. It's not just the Ivy Leagues. You said the Ivy Leagues practice racial preferences. It is any minimally selective college. Get back to, to colorblind standards. And I hope that Asian Americans become even more mobilized because they're the ones that are screwed the most at this point by the evisceration of meritocratic standards. They are having to, to be five, 10 times as good as any other standard student to be admitted to a medical school of their choice, to a law school of their choice. And for them to be told that, well, if you're succeeding, it's because you're racist or white supremacist is absurd. It's equally absurd to be telling white students that, but the Asians could be a sleeping giant that will help us beat this thing back. No, I couldn't agree more. Heather, Tell people where they can follow you and how to pre-order the book. And I'm going to make sure that we pre-order that book immediately as soon as we're done the interview here. Thank you, Jack. Well, the book, you just go on Amazon. You can pre-order it when race trumps merit. I have a Twitter feed that I actually don't really run. It's it's mostly to put my writing up there. Uh, and I don't even know what my handle is. But if you, if you Google me at Heather McDonald on Twitter, 
that will give you uh, sort of a chronological in reverse order, all of my media appearances and all of my writing. So that's probably the easiest way. Heather McDonald, a, a true pleasure, true honor. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for giving people the tools to be able not just to debate this, but actually have the conversations that are going on in our country. Because thanks to uh, social media, for as much as we do complain about it, for as much as our lives seem to be ruled by viral videos now, it also has given us the ability to connect, to run shows like this, and to get information out there that is otherwise completely suppressed by the mainstream, which of course, as we all know, why they are constantly trying to shut down social media. Heather McDonald, the book is, once again, When Race Trumps Merit. Is diversity our strength, or is our strength the traditional values on which Western civilization has been built? Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.